in order to help us draw near to Him. And He's ordained the preaching of the Word to draw near to Him. So, allow Him to pull you in as you move toward Him still. If you would, please turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. I'll be reading Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, Holy Spirit written, life-changing word. Father, we thank you not merely for your omnipresence, but for your unique and special and saving and sanctifying presence with us. You are good. Let us see, let us behold here in this text this wonderful command of yours to the glory of your Son, Amen. I know confidently a few things. One is that I know that you do not need to get on an airplane and fly to Kentucky to go to Asbury University. I mean, I'm, I, if someone wants to do that's fine. You can meet the Lord there. That's, you don't need to. What you need, what I need, what we constantly need, no matter what state of life or state in the week or what we're wrestling through, whether on top of the mountain or we are in depression or we are dealing with anger or sickness or pain or laziness or boredom and dullness of hearing or struggles in marriage or singleness, we need to spend time with the Lord. Intimate relationship and communion with Him. That's this text. So, in what I just read, verses 19 to 22, there is one and there is only one main clause. One and only one thing 
that we are told to do. It's right there at the beginning of verse 22. Draw near. Draw or move or come intimately close to God. Experience the presence of God. He is beckoning. Come. Come. Come closer. Come often. That's the point of the text. Now, there are a whole bunch of other words around it. So, this command is not given in a vacuum. And all of those other words around it are the reasons and the ways in which we are to come to Him. Another way to say all those words are the reasons and ways is to say it this way. They are theology. Which is, in other words, grasping propositions and truths that God has communicated uh, about Himself. And all those other words, that th the theology in this passage is the foundation that we jump off of in order to have intimate, personal, drawing close to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. In other words, the way that God works, the way that Christianity is working, the way that, why we have, it's a word-oriented religion, if I can use that term, is that we are made in His image. You are conscious even of your own thinking. You are thinking about thinking. So we are meant to think in order to know. And if it stops there, it's not Christianity. We're meant to think in order to know the Bible and what He's teaching us in order that we would respond. That's Christianity. In other words, in order that we would worship. We would come close. We would adore Him. The ultimate goal of worship, to know Him, to draw near, cannot be separated from the truth, the teachings of Scripture. And we live in an age in the American church I've been a Christian for over 40 years now, and I've watched this. I've had it try to be shoved down my throat in school, where theology is deemed irrelevant, really, to life and relationship with Jesus. Or, in other words, it's, we're Americans. And that Americanism has just infiltrated the church called pragmatism. So, in other words, 
just what is what works in life? What do I want in life? So let's concentrate more instead of on how God's revealing himself and cause us as believers to, to think deeper. You know what? Marriage is hard enough, so let's just deal time and again with how to do that better. It's important to think about your marriage. The Bible talks about it. But it's not the center. Or, or the raising of kids, or homeschooling the kids. Or, you know, just tell me what to do. You can do the thinking, church leadership. You just tell me how I'm supposed to live and what to do. And no wonder that much of the church has been wide open to the false religion creeping into Christianity called social justice. We'll give you some things to do. Go do them. You'll feel good. You'll wake up tomorrow and you won't feel so bad about your life. In other words, it is formed into don't give me doctrine. I just want to know what works. But the New Testament, it never separates doctrine from your actions. What to do. You know the book of Ephesians. Paul spends the first three chapters in glorious, in-depth, complex theology before he tells them anything to do, which he then goes to do in chapters 4 to 6. And you know the greatest book ever written, Romans, those first 11 chapters, the greatest, most in-depth and important theological treaties ever written, all about God and redemption, who He is and what He has done. 11 chapters and tell them a thing to do. But after the 11, then from chapters 12 to 16, therefore, do you see it? And he gives all the practical instructions that come out of it. So the author of Hebrews, he follows that same pattern. The gospel, Christ, high priest, the blood of Christ is not simply a doctrine to be discussed. It is a reality to be lived. It is meant to bring you close to God. So, if you're there, Hebrews 10, look at the beginning of verse 19, and very important word, therefore. Which means, as we have seen previous weeks, all of this theology, he has been laying out about Christ. I mean, you can, if you summarize it as Jesus, his sacrifice in death on the cross as the high priest to offer himself and remaining high priest. Now, whoever lives to make intercession for us, because of all that, here we go. Therefore, and, what's the, and there's only one main point here. Therefore what? Go on living in relationship with God. Draw near. That's the one main exhortation in verses 19 to 22. Let us draw near. But it is preceded by two clauses, both of which in the ESV begin with the word since, meaning because. Here's, a, here's the foundation to the command to draw near. 
In other words, since or, or, or be, because this is true, therefore, Christian, draw near to God. He is filling up with meaning our drawing near. Start with verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So remember the larger context, these readers, vast majority of them, Jewish believers who are and have been struggling now down through their Christian life more and more lately, struggling to, to set aside the Jewish ceremonial practices of the Old Covenant. and In other words, they're starting to doubt that they can completely depend upon Jesus Christ. They were raised like their, their forefathers to fear approaching the presence of God because it is a fearful thing to approach the presence of God without having your sin dealt with. They had YouTube videos going on in their head of the books of Moses and see the fire and the smoke in God's words. Don't you let any of them even come near the base of this mountain or they will be destroyed. They, they have in their head, because they were meant to have it, the idea that there's, there's a representative for us to go to the presence of God only once a year and not without blood. But the shedding of blood because of our sin to be put on the mercy seat. So to these Jews, God is he's unapproachable. Except through someone who's going to represent you and go do that on your behalf. The high priest. A mediator. But now, his whole point through this book has been in Jesus Christ. All of that has passed away. It's no more. Don't go to it. It's all been changed. And notice the writer doesn't say, hey, just come on boldly into the presence of God. Enter in with all kinds of confidence. That's not how he says it. So read the whole thing. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, therefore let us draw near. This confidence, in other words, belongs to them. It belongs to us, if we're believers, because of our union with Christ. And Jesus, He's the one who has opened the way into the merciful, loving, good, comfortable presence. God. And that's our confidence. See, he's very clear. 
What's the confidence? Since we have confidence, he says what the confidence is. Quote, by the blood of Jesus. His substitutionary, wrath-bearing sacrifice was in order that our sins be dealt with justly forever, and thus we be forever wiped clean and forgiven of all of our sins so that the holiness of God will not consume us, but rather will be to our great joy and hope and comfort. And the result is, quote, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. And then the writer goes on to reemphasize this so that no one gets the wrong idea that, well, the blood of Christ, that's one of the things that needed to happen. No, it is. It's the thing. It is the thing. So he goes on in verse 20 to reemphasize it. We have confidence to enter by the new and the living way that He opened for us through the curtain. That is, through His flesh. So again, He uses the language of the tabernacle of the temple with this word curtain or veil, which was four inches thick, and it separated that little room where you had the Ark of the Covenant from the holy place right outside of it with the, the table, showbread, and the lampstand. That curtain separated the holy place from what is signified as the presence of God in the holy of holies. That, that not only the high priest went and only once a year. The curtain, in other words, is what kept the people away from the signified presence of God. And when Jesus died, Mark, the gospel tells us, that curtain, it was torn in two from top to bottom. God knows what he's doing with earthquakes. And it was signifying, that was signifying that the way to God, to come into His presence safely, has been opened. Not open because the physical curtain was torn in two, which it was. That was just an outward sign of what transpired in God toward many sinners. His point, and it's clear, it was because not that curtain, but because Jesus was torn in two. That's what the text says. Enter by the new and the living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. The actual death 
of Jesus. His flesh was the only sacrifice that has ever opened the way for any sinner to enter into God's presence in order to fellowship with him. This is why the writer calls it a new and a living way. It's not the old way of the blood and the killing of animal after animal after animal by the priesthood who would die and they would need to be replaced and they do it over and over. It is the new way. It's the living way because this high priest who did die is no longer dead. He rose, he ascended, he is seated at the right hand of God, and he is forever our high priest, our representative, our mediator, our, our go-between, interceding on our behalf of all who have loved his coming. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. Now, now, now hear what Jesus was really up to when he said it. John 14.6 I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through the curtain of my flesh, through me. And through me alone. Now, notice the second reason he gives for drawing near. It's the second since clause. Verse 21. And also this, since we have a great priest over the house of God, he offered himself on the altar and he rose from the dead and he ascended and he lives in order to be our high priest today who will always, dear believer, cover your guilt, your sin. He will always advocate for you and be your mediator in the presence of God. Always, not just now during our sinful, born-again lives, but forever, even post-future resurrection. So the writer, he has one goal in this text. Because of all these things here, since this, since this, because of these, therefore, draw near. Draw near with a true heart full assurance of faith. And it's clear what we're to draw near to. Christ died so that we would have 
communion, relationship, interaction with God. This has been one of his main thrusts. If, maybe if you don't remember, I'll just jar your memory. Remember back in chapter 4, he's going to use the exact same word here of draw near. In chapter 4, verse 16, where he said, Let us then with confidence... Where does that come from? It comes from understanding the gospel. That's what gives you your confidence. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And then in chapter 7, verse 25, he said, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those persons who draw near to God. Since He always lives to make intercession for them. And He'll say in chapter 11, in verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists. And you must believe the gospel. In other words, you must believe He rewards those who seek Him. Draw near to Him. So, I know your calling. Here is the calling to all believers. Yes, there may be other callings in life and giftings that God gives us and we seek for those, but above and beyond all of that, preeminently, this is your calling. Read it again. Hear Him. Dear believers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. That's His command. Draw near to God. What? Okay. Pursue His presence. If the theology all around the beginning of verse 22 that we looked at, if that is only in your head, and doesn't affect your heart in order to cause you to draw near, then you are in disobedience. That's the one great goal of the writer here. That we each, and corporately, get up close with God. Walk with Him.
resist a Christian life of being at a distance from Him. Every married person, they know that you could live in close geographical, physical proximity with a spouse and yet be at a relational distance. He's saying, draw near. In other words, relationally experience God's presence. Move toward it. So obviously this drawing near is not physical. Because if you have a mind, you're, you're thinking, well, God's omnipresent. You can't be closer to God in that sense by moving anywhere. You can't be closer to God if you jumped on a plane and went to Asbury University just because you went to a location. So obviously, this is a relational movement that by definition, you could be further away from God in that sense than you are the next minute because you moved and drew closer to God. Or it would make no sense for him to say, draw near to the throne of grace, to the presence of God. This is referring to an invisible movement of the heart. You can do this anywhere. You can do this on the job. You can do it while you're nursing a baby lying in bed. You can do it at the beach. You can do it even while listening to this sermon. It's a conscious directing of your heart into the presence of God. It is a, a hearing God speak to you in the Holy Scripture. And thus an intimate responding to Him through your words, hearts, thoughts, prayers while all the while confidently desiring more of his tangible or manifest or helpful or comforting, a holy fear engendering presence. Hmm. So now, in the rest, of verse 22, he lays out the disposition of believers as we approach God. So notice what he says first, pick up in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So watch that very Practical direction that he gives. Draw near with a true heart. It's literal from the Greek. Okay, I don't know what else that could mean. 
other than not a false heart. Don't deceive yourself while you do this or say it this way. And it's why the NIV translates it that way. It's, it's, it's a good interpretation. With a sincere heart. Draw near with a heart that really wants to draw near. I th if you've been a Christian long enough, I think you know there's sometimes you don't want to draw near. All of us. Because when you do that, light shines on you and exposes sin that you don't want to get rid of at the moment. Draw near with a sincere heart. I mean, you don't play games. It's, it's the opposite of hypocrisy. It's true. It's, it's genuine as opposed to deceitful. And then finally, the writer knows the tendency for us real believers to struggle to struggle with growing cold, or the way he's put it through this letter, becoming dull of hearing. He knows our struggle of dealing with our conscience and experiencing our conscience, con condemning us and making us not want to get close to God. And so what he does is he takes each and every believer back back to your conversion experience. It's what he's doing. Listen to it. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Here it is. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies Washed with pure water. So first, those words, sprinkled and washed, they are, it's what he's appealing to, our own personal foundation now for drawing near to God. Both of those words in the Greek are in the perfect tense and the passive voice, which means they're referring to a completed or two completed past actions that have happened to us that we did not do to ourselves. We did not cleanse our own conscience from evil. And nor did we wash our bodies with pure water. It was done to us. Those two things have to do with the inward reality of our miraculous faith in Christ. And then the outward profession of that faith. First, you draw close to God, and as you do, you look back. Look back to your cleansing. The cleansing He provided for you. If you remember, in the last couple chapters, He's already quoted the passage from the books of Moses. Sprinkling of the blood on the tabernacle. Sanctifying, setting apart, making holy unto Himself. 
the furniture, and then on all the people. And so what he's saying here is just as those Old Testament priests sprinkled the blood of those animal sacrifices on the people, much more the blood of Jesus sprinkled your heart clean from guilt. The guilt of your sin. And he says, do you remember then what happened after that? Whether it was the next day or month or year, happened after that. You expressed that experience of death to life outwardly through your profession of faith called water baptism. That's what he's referring to. With the, I don't know what else he could possibly mean. Your body's washed with pure water. The waters of baptism. And just, if it helps you, most scholars agree with me on, on that. The blood of Christ so thoroughly covers our sins and removes our guilt that our conscience, this is what's amazing about it, our conscience, it can, if we draw near, you've got to draw near with the, with the theology. You've got to let your mind think about, do I really believe what he's saying in the gospel? And we can go behind the curtain with a clean conscience by the blood of Jesus having been sprinkled with it. He bought me. Now, you got to get this. This does not mean that our consciences don't ever accuse us. But what it means is when they do, in full assurance of faith, we can say, I know I've sinned. You have to tell me that. I hate my sin conscience. But I have a Savior. I have a Savior who shed His blood for me. My objective guilt before God away. He doesn't hold it against me. He dealt with it in His Son. And because of that conscience, come on with me. Let's go behind the curtain into the presence of God and draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith in the gospel. That is, with hearts having been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water baptism so the father is saying to all of us who believe draw near draw near this is the heart of the gospel L listen to how the apostle Peter put it in 1st Peter 3.18 Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. Okay, here it comes. Why? Here's Peter's answer. In order that He might bring us 
to God. God has sent His Son to suffer and to die so that through Him we might draw near and then again draw near and then again draw near. This is a call to a prayerful life. It's a call to quiet times. It's a call to prayerful meditation over what God has said. It's a, it's a call to worship. It's a call to praise. It, it's a call to live and practice the presence of God. It's a call to hang out with the Lord, to spend time enjoying His powerful presence by the Holy Spirit who indwells you. So let us take this to heart. Let us go on being those who move, pursue, as our main goal in this world. Our main goal. Pursue fellowshipping with the Holy Trinity. We are to draw near in order to have relational intimacy. And so that's why we absorb what the Father speaks to us in the written Scripture, and we meditate upon it as we, don't leave it there in the head, seek it to go down into our hearts and our emotions and our affections and to desire His presence. Make it your main aim to experience God. In your prayer closet, or gathered here with music and lyrics on a Sunday morning. And, and so when we come here, when you go to your own prayer closet, day by day throughout the week, you, you, you go praying, Lord, draw, draw me near. I want to draw near to you. Help, help my desires and my waywardness in my mind. Help that calm down. Help my affections be moved by the Holy Spirit, by the truth, by your presence, so that, that I overcome all the flesh and experience you more life-changingly. In other words, expect God to keep His promise in James chapter 4, verse 8. Quote, Draw near to God, and He will, He will move. That is, He will draw closer or near 
to you. This is a call to not seek mere form. Well, I closed my eyes and I said some words and I asked a couple things and I said, Amen. Seek God. Approach Him confidently as a child purchased by Jesus. Draw near. Want Him. Want Him. Because even when His presence changes or hurts or convicts, it's what we need. So don't back away. Draw near so that He draws near to you. So that by His Holy Spirit, He tangibly affects your desires. It's a call to prayer. It's not a call to petitionary prayer right here. It's not a call to pray for Aunt Betty's leg. This is a call to hang out with Him, fellowship with Him, come close to the Father as a trusting child with your sincere heart, your thoughts, all your thoughts, as stupid and dumb, frustrations and anger and everything you have, lay it out. Let your emotions even go. Draw near. And let's close by drawing near, staying near together in these closing minutes. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. And that the curtain is torn. You didn't spare your own son, but you gave him up. How shall you not freely by him and with him give us all things? Even the entire universe and the world that has been ordained to be ours in your son. So make us those who yearn all the more to draw near to the glory of your son. Amen.